If you would this morning, turn with me to Matthew and chapter 20. So you may remember that one of our readings this morning has already come from Matthew. And so we're going we're gonna to pop back down in Matthew, just the latter part of Matthew. And that's going to start in verse 29. So if you turn to the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first of four Gospels, and start looking there at verse 29. We'll read through the end of the chapter and, uh, and go from there. Hear these words from the uh, Apostle Matthew. <clears throat> and as they went out from, of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to Him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed Him. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your most holy Word. We pray this morning that Your Word would not remain a dead letter, but made living in this place by Your Spirit. Speak to our hearts now in only the way that You can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed how powerful sight is? <laughs> I mean, there are images of 9-11 that are seared in our minds. And right when we see them, it brings up so many memories. There are certain movies that have where they're at the climax of the movie and there's this one scene and you just, you just really remember that. I mean, one of them that comes to mind for me, as you know, Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, you shall not pack! You know, and all this. And it's like, that is just, I mean, you know, that is amazing. I, I just, it, gives, it gets me pumped up. That's what the saints seem to do today. You shall not pass! You know, when they're down there, it gets you pumped up. You get this image set in your mind. First time I saw Jessica... Powerful sight. Worked myself right in front of her and sat down where she could see me very clearly. And it changed my life forever. One sight. Think of your children being born. All four of my boys. Very just sight. Seeing that happen. Seeing a life come into the world. Seeing someone take their first breath. Seeing someone also take their last breath. It's a powerful thing. You can, in your mind, with reason, build up all kinds of arguments, philosophies, and yet one image, one event that you see could change your life forever. You would dismiss them immediately because of the power of just sight. You see, sight really is Powerful, and that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what this story this morning talks about is two fellows who are blind. And before you dismiss the story, hang with me. 
They're outside of Jericho. You remember this, this place of Jericho kind of has ancient history to it of the Israelites being there, circling around, and the walls come down, the walls of Jericho. And so now they're outside of that city. That's long gone, by the way, about this point, by Jesus' time. And a great crowd followed Jesus, the Scripture says. He was already famous by this point, you realize. He's actually very close to moving to the cross. Interestingly, before our story happens, He actually predicts for the third time that He will have to go to Jerusalem suffer and die. Not just die, but suffer and die. And of course, the apostles don't really get this. And I think that's kind of the point here. Yes, there's a physical healing here, but there's also a spiritual healing that Jesus is trying to show them that they're really missing the boat. And and the disciples do. They, They constantly misunderstand what Jesus says. And you know how frustrating that can be when you're trying to tell somebody something and they simply misunderstand it. Take you the wrong way. Get offended. And you're just you're trying to do the groundwork of getting back to where you need to. And it's a very frustrating... Jesus went through that frustrating process with the disciples. Right after He's trying to tell them that you shouldn't be first. Jessica's reading this morning. You shouldn't be first. You shouldn't try to be first in life. And said so the last will be first, which really just confuses us, which is a whole other sermon I won't get into, I promise. But he says, you know, look guys, don't, don't try to be first. <laughs> right before our story, uh, two of the disciples say, hey, you know what? We'll really get Jesus. If we want to sit on His right hand, on His left, when He comes into power, you know, the Messiah is going to be king. Let's get Mama involved. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you get mama involved, then that gets things done. I mean, if you can't get it done on your own, then call mama. She can get in there and get it done. They call mom. She comes in and requests of Jesus, hey, look, I want my two boys sitting one on your right. One, he says, look, you, you actually don't know what you're asking for. Again, they misunderstand. They don't see properly what it is Jesus is wanting them to see. And so, here these two guys are. These are actually blind people with spiritually blind people watching on, the disciples, uh, and the crowd itself. And it says that as they were sitting by the roadside, you say, well, why were they doing that? Well, they were probably begging for alms, gifts, food. Uh, you know, when you're blind, you can't really do much for yourself. You are directionally challenged. You can't see ahead. You can't see objects in front of you, which is why you need assistance. And so they, they don't have uh, probably a job, and so this is their job, begging by the road. And as they hear Jesus coming, again, notice they do have their hearing, just not their sight. So they hear that He's coming, and they start crying out. And you can just imagine the scene, you know, Jesus, help, Son of David. A couple of weird titles. You know, people misunderstand a lot of times the titles for Jesus. He has a lot. Son of man, son of God. Here, son of David. And you remember back at the beginning of Matthew, he tells us that son of David, even son of Abraham are two titles that are also attributed to Jesus. And most people think Jesus Christ is His name, whereas Christ is actually a title. He didn't introduce Himself. Hi, I'm Mr. Christ. May I have a seat? Uh, that was not his last name. That's actually a title. 
His name is Jesus. That's His personal name. Christ is a title that is given to Him, which means King, Ruler. And it had a whole lot of other things that went along with it uh, that to unpack them would, would belabor the point at this at moment. Uh, and so here they are. They're crying out. Then they say, Lord, which is another title for Him, that was only designated as far as Romans were for the Caesar. You could actually be killed if you didn't call Caesar Lord. And so they say, Lord, have mercy on us. Notice they don't ask for their sight initially. Just, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David. And, and, and any time that you're going to try to pursue Jesus, any time that you need to call out to God, someone's going to come along to tell you to be quiet. It'll happen. You say, you know what, I really don't need to do this. Or I need to get rid of this in my life. Something will come along and says, no you don't. There's a lie that's been passed around that will finally get to you that says, no you don't. Be quiet. Don't do that. Don't embarrass yourself. I mean, really? Calling out to God? Who is that? Just talking to a ceiling or talking to a post. That's about as much good as you'll get there. Don't embarrass yourself, really. And this is what's happening here. Look, guys, guys, seriously, seriously, be quiet. The Master's coming. I mean, He's popular. People are wanting to see Him. They want to get to know Him. Uh, I've gotten to know a couple people in my life that were what I, what I think all of us would think of as famous. Uh, one day we were, when I, was a, when I was a teenager, we went to Atlanta and went to the water park, white water there, and we were going to see a Braves game. Well, my brother and I were, you know, you know, just wandering around uh, the park, and all of a sudden Justin's like, my brother, he says, he says, I think that's Greg Maddox. Now, Greg Maddox was my favorite pitcher on the Braves. I mean, he was, he was the man. You know, his fastball had movement on it. It was just amazing. He was a great pitcher, and even still is remembered as a great pitcher, be a Hall of Famer. Now, back to the story. Uh, Justin said, there's, there's Greg Maddox. I said, really? Are you, are you sure? And he was kind of you know, chubby. He looked different than when he had his uniform on, you know. I guess he was always a little chubby, but seeing him with his shirt off and his, and his swimsuit looked different. And so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I guess that, that is him. He said, I'm going to go up and talk to him. I'm like, I don't know, dude. I think I'm going to just, just hang back. I, I don't want to. I, I guess I just was, at the time, just a little scared, a little, little fearful about meeting this guy that I, yeah, I had really kind of idolized as a child. I had his baseball cards, and, and, I, and I didn't go meet him. And Justin's over there talking to him and one of the relief pitchers for the Braves at that time. And then he'd come back over there and he's like, man, that was pretty awesome. You know, I'm like, well, man, I missed out. Now it's too late for me to go. And so I've kicked myself ever since that moment because I was too scared to actually just go up and be willing to embarrass myself. I said, hi, I'm a little teenager that likes you and has your baseball cards, you know. Um, and so I purposed in my heart from that point on never to let that happen again. So fast forward to a, two years ago, I'm in Texas at an event that I know Drew Brees is going to be at. Bam! So I'm there, I stalk him. I actually <laughs> leap. You know, he spoke. He was awesome speaking, you know, whatever. He did his thing, you know, and then he went, all, his, all these other athletes, pro athletes, you know, they're, they're up there on stage with him, and so they all leave. I run out of the building because I know he has to go home and he's going to be leaving somewhere. I go to where I can find you know, all the nice cars with guys in suits that are standing there waiting to receive those guys. And I'm just standing there, you know, out in the cold. And I'm in a, and I'm in a Saints t-shirt. And I'm, I'm like, you know, this is not going to pass by me this time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm going to make sure that 
I actually get my opportunity. I mean, last time it appeared, and then I never got another opportunity to meet Greg Maddox. So that's, that's over with. I just pretty much gave, excuse me, gave up on that. So here's Drew Brees. I know he's within proximity. I'm going to holler. I'm going to act a fool. Whatever i got to do to get his attention. So, so finally I said, I was like, Drew! Hey, man! Who that? Hey, baby! You know, I was like, I mean, we're in Texas, you know, and, and I'm, you know, it's me and two other people, and they're just kind of like standing there, like, like they want his autograph too, but I'm actively caught. Hey, Drew, Drew, and so, so he, you know, he's like, what? Who's that crazy? And so he sees that. And there's other people over there. And so then here comes, you know, somebody plays for the Cowboys. Here's somebody that's a, the world athlete uh, for the Olympics. You know, they're getting on this in these cars or whatever, bypassing me. I'm not even concerned with them. I could have gotten, you know, a couple of people, Col- uh, Colt McCoy, you know, these guys, they're autograph. I'm just still got my eyes dead set on Drew. Drew, you know, doing this number. And so finally he's like, he's like, okay, you know, kind of gives me, okay, chill out, chill out, chill out. Just, just, I'll be over there in a minute. Let me just, you know, and so... So he, you know, he's he's doing stuff, and he finally comes over there, and uh, and then I got to meet him. I got I got to, you know, he kind of like one of these side hugs, you know. <laughs> he looked comfortable in the picture. Okay, I've got the picture to prove it. I didn't bring it today, but I promise it's there. I got my I got the boys autograph ball, and so I got what I wanted. Why? Because I acted a fool until he came over there. It happens to remind me of this story. Be quiet, dude. Chill out. This is somebody famous, man. We don't, they don't want to talk to some blind beggars. What are you talking? Be quiet. What does the Scripture say? They cried out all the more. Oh, you want us to be quiet? Hey, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David. We're going to get louder. Tell us again. I mean, that's kind of the way they, they're saying it. Tell us again to be quiet. Because we're going to get Him to get our attention. We need His attention. He's passing by... And we got to stop him. And it says that Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. You know, in your life, in my life, there are moments where Jesus is very close. You know it. I don't have to describe it. I can't describe it. But you know he's close. You know he's passing by. Can I tell you that even if you try to make it happen again, sometimes you can never get back to that moment when He's really passing by, ready to help. Don't waste that opportunity like I did with those celebrities. Instead, do whatever it takes. Kneel down before Him. Break down before Him. Cry out for Him Listen, in this place, this is a safe place to cry out to Jesus Christ. We all understand in this church that we need Him the most. It's only the little kids and childish ones among us that don't think they need help as they're slopping food all over their face. No, I can do it myself. Poking out their eye. Getting food all over their outfit. That's what we do. That's what sin looks like. If we could, if we could just see ourselves this morning, we would see that we're the ones who are blind, not these two guys. Amen. They saw something that everybody else there that had sight did not see. This was God Himself passing by. 
You think they're going to be quiet? Not a chance. They knew who this was. And yet the disciples didn't fully know. You can be very close to God, even in the Bible Belt, even in the South, even in church this morning, and be very close to God and completely miss Him. Why? Because we're blinded. We're the ones who are born blind. You say, I, that, I understand the metaphor, good job, wait a... No, 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 it's not a metaphor. It's a reality. I, forgive me, but I always have to go back to the Matrix. You remember the discussion between Morpheus and Neo? I won't, re- I won't read it all. I've got it printed here. I'm not even going to look at it. Morpheus tells Neo, look, you know there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is. But it's like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. So you're mad and upset about the world, but you don't know what's wrong with it. You don't know what's going on. And before he takes the blue pill or the red pill, he tells us, look, all I'm offering you is the truth. Nothing more. That's what's happening here this morning. Is the truth. Now you can choose to go ahead and take the blue pill and go back to sleep and believe whatever it is you want to believe about life. Be a relativist. Go back into relativism. Whatever. Whatever you want to believe. That's one choice. But the other choice is to take the red pill and in his words, see how deep the rabbit hole goes. There's more to life. And you know this. I don't have to convince you. You know this. There's more to life than what you can see on the surface. We're not just a pile of cells. You know that. The person beside you is someone who will live for all of eternity. The person beside you is someone who has been created in the very image of God Himself. God knows that person beside you. What's crazy is God knows you. He wants to know you. That's what's insane. He's like, well, I understand God loves us because we're His great. No, no. He likes you too. He likes to be around you. He likes you so much He counted the number of hairs on your head. Which is easier for some than others. He knows us so well, just like we know our children. There's something funny in our house that we used to do when Baylor was younger. It's not torture, so don't, don't think that. But I would, I would do this thing where I would say, I'd say, Baylor! He'd say, yes, sir. He would be upstairs, you know, all of us would be downstairs. I'd say, Baylor! For a second time, he'd say, yes, sir! You hear the, you hear the build up, you know. And I'd say, I'd say, watch this guy, watch this guy, third time. Baylor! Yes, sir! You know, he'd just get angry the third time. It happened, it happened like clockwork. Eventually, it became a thing where, where we did it just because we all wanted to laugh, you know. And he would, he would be up there laughing too because he really wasn't angry. And, uh, and, and you'd people say, well, were you a seer? How did you know that? I mean, are you a prophet? No, no, no. I, I watch my kids. I know my kids because I love them. God knows us because He loves us. Not because He has to. It's not a labor for Him any more than a labor of love. We are in darkness 
And we need His light. And without His light, we call so much destruction, not only for ourselves, but for others and the world God has put us in. We try to contain sin, but sin is social. Just like holiness is. You can't, you say, oh, I'm just going to do this. This is only affects. No, it doesn't. It affects your kids. It affects your wife. It affects your husband. It affects your grandparents. It affects your future grandkids. It affects your co workers. It affects us all, doesn't it? Think of the Assyrians. Think of the Babylonians, the Persians, the Romans. Back in the day, didn't they affect people around them negatively? Absolutely. Thousands, millions, think of Nazi Germany. Six million Jews they exterminated Nazi Germany. We forget it, but Mao's communist China, 45 million people in four years. There was only 55 million, you realize, that died in World War II. We just go about, oh yeah, you know, do what you want to do, man. Believe what you want to believe, Really? You don't really believe that about life. Why would you come to things spiritual and try to believe it? Don't. It's the lie. It's the lie that's been told from the beginning. You can be like God. Make up your own rules. There's a movie I watched, uh, Jesse... Or the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. It's Brad Pitt. He's, he's actually Jesse James in this movie. And there's this line that... And I mean, I was half asleep when I watched it, but there's this one line that has stuck with me ever since. And, it, and, and you know, you got... You got uh, Jesse James, he's in the bathtub, and, and uh, you know, Robert Ford comes in the room and he says... He goes, you know, I, Jesse James, Brad Pitt again. He says, you know, I can't figure it out. I can't tell if you want to be like me or if you want to be me. That's us. I mean, it's just immediately I had to... Ooh. We don't want to just be like God. We actually want to be God. We want to make up our own rules. We want to treat people the way we want to treat them. Do things the way we want to do... That's playing God. Satan in the very beginning said, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because you'll be like Him. And ever since that point, we've been trying to be God and play God. And we try to dress up and, and act all adultish and, and reason, oh yeah, we know what's going on at our jobs and we, we believe we have real power and we know it all and the whole time it's idolatry. And we are living in darkness. As if the blind were leading the blind. How ludicrous. That's the 20th century, wasn't it? Now we're in the third millennium. And things are even falling apart worse than the 20th century. If you can believe that. And yet, there's hope. There's light that shines in the darkness. There's a light that came into the world. Jesus. Christ Himself. God Himself. 
clothed in flesh. You say, man, that, that's just fairy tale, bro. Like, that didn't happen. You realize that, right? It's funny. Um, C.S. Lewis, you may know his movies, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Of course, he's not around to enjoy the benefits, but he wrote the uh, books behind them. He was an atheist most of his life, Oxford Don professor, Oxford University in England. And he did not believe in God the majority of his life. And yet, he says that he began to be really troubled because, quite frankly, atheism really couldn't describe accurately the world around him. It's too boring of an explanation. Oh yeah, we, you know, no, we, we came from nothing. We're here for no reason. And we're going nowhere. Oh, I can get behind that. That sounds exciting. There's nothing exciting about it. And it began to trouble him. And he, like many others before him, began to look at Jesus Christ. And he says that one morning he was struggling still, you know, because I, I mean, he was a master at myth. You realize this. I mean, he, he knew Norse mythology better than anyone in the world. He was a world-renowned scholar for that. Um, he says he was riding to the zoo, and it was a foggy morning. He said, we start out, it was a lot of fog, couldn't even see you know, a mile in front of you, uh, half a mile in front of you, and he said, by the time we got to the zoo, the light had come, not only to the day, but to his own soul. And he was converted. And he ended up changing the entire world. His writings still touch people positively today. All because he did one simple thing and is he looked at Jesus. Now our spiritual blindness, our spiritual darkness can be caused by a host of reasons. I don't know why we sit in darkness. Why you sat in darkness. Why I sat in darkness for so long. For some of us, it's circumstances. We just we can't get our minds wrapped around certain things. We say, I don't know. There's too much suffering in the world for me. There's too much evil in the world. And if God is good, how in the world can there be such evil in the world? And it is a powerful argument. The best argument, really, against Christ. And yet... And yet, God Himself suffers. Suffers. He says, if you have to live in this mess, I will come and join you. I will lead the way. I will suffer more than you can imagine and die. Because I am the only one who can raise us up. Bring us hope within the suffering. We can't see far enough ahead to be able to make a judgment on the suffering thing. This is not a reason to deal with the big problem that we're talking about, but, I'll, but, I, but this changed my life. Bo, our sweet little Bo, the blonde, curly-headed, blue-eyed boy, um, we call him our girl. He's the only uh, somewhat featured boy that looks, you know, whatever, uh, pretty, you know. Um, people are obsessed with his hair, so he must be, you know, whatever. But So, Bo, he's sitting on the edge of the 
of the chair, and he falls off, busts his eye, I mean, just right here, busts it wide open, pouring out blood. We're, okay, stitch time, you know, so we take him to the, take him to the doctor. And I get in there, and of course he, he's crying, you know, he's freaking out, and he's about what, two? Actually, it was one, uh, about to be two, though. And so we take him in the doctor, and, and the nurse comes in there, or the doctor comes in there with a bunch of nurses, like four nurses, and she says, okay, Dad, I need you to, I'm going to need you to, you to hold him down. I said, oh, okay, what's everybody else in here doing? They're going to hold him down, too. I'm like, this little guy? All of us? She said, trust me, he'll need it, you know. And so, little Bo, I put him on that table. Dude started freaking out. I mean, ah, 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 you know. And so, so I, I go ahead and I, I'm the one up by his hands, you know, and by his head. And she says, okay, I want you to hold his, hold his head. They'll hold his hands down and his feet and stuff like that. So we're all getting around him. And, and I'm right there in his face. And, and uh, you know, he's crying, whatever. And then here comes the needle, you know. Here comes the needle down, right? And he's like, ha, ha, ha. I mean, you know, ha, 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 you know, da-da. I mean, his eyes are like darting back and forth. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And I mean, just, just, just think about it real quick. Switch yourself and put yourself in his place. Here he is. He just got hurt, right? Now daddy is holding him down with foreign people who are holding him down. And now the needle comes down. I mean, he is terrified, has no idea what's going on. Probably thinking in his head, why, Daddy, are you letting these people hurt me? And that's a tough thing to watch. You know, that, that really breaks your heart. So I got in his face and, I mean, just pure terror. Just got in his face and said, Baby, listen to Daddy. Please, just, just listen to Daddy. This will be over in just a second. I'm right here. I love you. I love you. I love you as the needle comes down. I thought to myself, isn't that us? We get hurt. Suffering comes. We feel like, what are you doing, God? Why are you doing this? What does this mean? And just like a good father, he's willing to get in our face and say, I love you. If you can hear it over the screaming, over the anger, if you can hear it today, he's trying to say to you, right now, I love you. You are mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. I have a reason we're doing this. I could see more than both. He couldn't see past the needle. Yet today, his eye is fixed. There's no scarring. You can't even see it. Why? Because I held his little head down. That's why. You say, oh, you were a bad dad. No, I was a good dad. And so is God. So is God. So is our Father, who loves us more than any of us can imagine. If we could just see it. So, Marshall, how, how in the world can we see God with the eye of faith? It's the only way. And He can help. All you got to do is stop what you're doing. I mean, right now, all the arguments, all the, all the 
past stuff that come, whatever's happened in church before or in your life before, all that stuff, let it just stop and actually turn around and look at God. He is here. He is more than ready to help if we will look at Him. Turn means to repent. Say, I don't know, God. I'm not a big kid yet. I still need your help. Could He break down some walls of Jericho this morning? I think He can. All it takes is one word. All it takes is one cry, like what came from these guys. And Jesus asked us this morning, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He touched their eyes and immediately they recovered sight and followed Him. If you look this morning on Jesus Christ for your salvation, for help, for healing, for direction, He will hear. He will respond. And He'll do it. That's what the Bible says. He will do it. Stop playing the games. This is not me selling Jesus. This is not a used car sales kind of thing going on. This is reality. This is for real. This is real life. It's your life. Now you can choose to go ahead and bear back down into your darkness. Act like it's not there. Act like there's no problem. Act like there's no solution. But the reality is there is. And He's here to help us. He's here to heal us. Me. Don't let Jesus pass you by this morning. Might be the last time. You say, you're just trying to scare me. No, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to be for real. If you hear me tell my kids, don't get on the road, you're going to die. He's like, quit scaring them. Um, I'm going to scare them as much as needed. And as your friend, as your pastor, I'm saying, don't let Jesus pass you by again. He's here. He's ready to help. He loves you more than you can imagine. And so do we here at Harvest Point. That's why we've invited you today. That's why we, that's why we meet every single week because we need to remind each other, say, hey, God still loves you. It's tough. A lot of things happened past week. He still loves you. You're busy at work. He still loves you. Family in trouble. He still loves you. He's here to help. And we're here to help as well. Amen.